submitted. We'll hear argument next in number 001737, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of New York versus the village of Stratton, Ohio. Mr. Polidaro. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. It's 11 o'clock Saturday morning in the village of Stratton. Good morning. In light of recent events, I've made a special effort to come to your door to speak to you about what the prophet Isaiah has referred to as the good news of something better. That's the good news Christ Jesus spoke about, the good news of the kingdom of God. It is a criminal act to go from door to door in the village of Stratton and deliver that message unless one has first obtained a permit from the village to do so. It is also illegal to go from door to door and hand out a leaflet that says, democracy is wonderful. Please vote next week. In drafting a permit scheme designed to address fraud and privacy that includes those interested in pure discourse, Stratton has eliminated the ability to engage in door to door one-on-one political advocacy. As such, we submit the ordinance is overbroad and unconstitutional. I I don't see how it has eliminated any chance of a political going door-to-door in a political discourse. If if you register with the the mayor and you can't be turned down if you fill out that form, you can go door-to-door except where there's a no trespassing sign. Your Honor, we are not suggesting at all that a resident cannot post a no trespassing sign and keep all the way from their door. However, in order to get the right to go to that door, one must go to the mayor, give his name, give a brief description of the cause they want to speak about, as well as their associational affiliation. We believe that this court in McIntyre said there's an interest in having anonymous works enter the marketplace of ideas, and that unquestionably outweighs any interest in requiring disclosure as a precondition to entry. Well, do you focus on the right of anonymity or the the right of unrestricted speech as of the time you get to the door or when you go to the mayor's office? Because uh, our most recent cases talk about going to the door. Uh, And that's where your brief focuses on it. It seems to me that what you've begun with, and this is also troubling to me, uh, is that you have to make the disclosure to the mayor as well. Those, so I take it those are two different parts of your case. Correct, Justice Kennedy. Uh, but you emphasize only the latter, really, in your briefs. Uh, are the records that the um, mayor keeps, are they open to the public? They are absolutely indeed, Your Honor. Under Ohio state law, those records are open to the public. So anyone would be able to go to look at the record, which would include the name, your message and so your you, association. You, you, you would have no objection to this statute uh, if uh, if you didn't have to give your name. 
Your Honor, we Perfectly okay to say uh, you can't talk to anybody without getting a permit, so long as you don't have to give your name when you get the permit. Your Honor, we believe the name is the constitutional infirmity indeed. That, that's the only problem. So if, if this were revised somehow so that all you had to give was a reference, maybe somebody in the community who would vouch for the uh, integrity of these Jehovah's Witnesses, that would then be okay. Because no, Your Honor. It, it the only problem is that they have to give their name. You see, I, I would have thought you would have objected to the necessity of going to the mayor and saying, please, Mr. Mayor, can I, can I talk to your citizens going house to house? But that's not your problem. Your only problem is that you have to disclose your identity. No, Your Honor. We do not believe that anyone needs to go to the government for permission to speak to their neighbor about any message. Yeah. Most importantly, a message — That's the stronger part of your case. Yes, Your Honor. Well, but you, you call them neighbors. But uh, I take it in many cases they're simply strangers who come into town. Well, actually, Your Honor, in this circumstance, the village of Wellsville, which is a neighboring village, has uh, assumed responsibility for preaching door-to-door in the village of Stratton. And many individuals are, in fact, known to each other. And that's common in most areas of this country. We don't believe that one is required to go to the government to get permission to speak to a private resident owner when the power belongs to that private resident owner to keep all away from their door if that owner so chooses. Now, now, I thought can the can only you tell me why that is? I, I, I agree that at some level it seems contrary to our tradition. But if we can focus just on going to the mayor's office, it seems to me that one of the strong parts of your case is that you have to identify your cause. Uh, that seems problematic to me. Uh, is that part of your case? And if so, what is the root constitutional principle that's violated there? Your Honor, Your Honor, Jehovah's Witnesses have a long historical memory as to what they've suffered at the hands of municipalities purely to go door to door to speak the good news. In this instance, the village is compelling disclosure of name, cause, and associational information. What's wrong with identifying the cause? Your Honor, we believe that uh, under this Court's holding, there are some individuals who do not want to identify their cause. It opens them up, as McIntyre said, to official retaliation, to economic retaliation, to social ostracism. And perhaps, as McIntyre said, they just don't want to disclose more of their privacy than they have to. We don't believe that on this record the village has shown a necessity to so encumber pure discourse that is not the source of harm. There's no allegation in this case that pure religious speech or pure political speech caused the harm that the village seeks to protect its residents against. And I, I take it your argument only goes to the political speech, because I as I understand it, Jehovah's Witnesses do not object to identifying themselves, and, and, and your concern uh, is with the overbreath that, that goes into the political sphere. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct, yeah. Justice Souter. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses will indeed identify themselves at the door, but it's their personal decision to do so. And yet the, the question that you phrase says that this permit, which contains one's name, now when we turn to the village's brief, they say, no, it doesn't. The permit doesn't require any name. You have to have your name at the, gov- at the mayor's office. The mayor has to accept all comers as long as he's not fraudulent. Uh, there's no discretion that is what infected the old uh, prohibitions against the Jehovah Witnesses speech. So here anybody can go to door to door. The name is at the mayor's office. The name doesn't have to be disclosed 
to the homeowner. Now, you said in your brief the name has to be disclosed to the homeowner. They say in their brief, no, it doesn't. So which one is right? Justice Ginsburg, if I might, at the joint appendix on page 248A is a copy of the blank permit. And it says permit to canvas, to solicit, etc. And it says in accordance with the relevant provision of the statute, the mayor of the village of Stratton, Ohio, has issued to the above applicant a permit, the above applicant a permit. So we believe on the plain language of the permit, the name is indeed disclosed. Did, you ever, apply, did you ever apply for a permit? We never did, Chief Justice. So you don't know as a, as a matter of practical fact how that would work out? That's correct. With and it might be a number, applicant number five. Uh, there's no showing, uh, Justice Souter, in the ordinance that there is any sort of numbering scheme. Well, no, there's no there's, — that's the trouble. I mean, I think with the argument, there is no showing, uh, but I, I suppose the, the exhibit is consistent with the numbering as well as a naming system on the, on the permit card. But, Justice Souter, I believe the exhibit would be inconsistent with the concession of the village that name disclosure is, in fact, required at the door. At page 27 of their brief and page 29 to 30 of their brief, they do say that name identity is compelled to be disclosed by a resident or by a police officer in furtherance of his official business. They said about five times in their brief that the permit that must be shown to the police officer or the homeowner does not have a name on it, does not have a name on it. Now, it's very confusing, um, but this — I looked at this and said, well, maybe this is the bottom. You have the application, then you know you tear off the bottom, and this is the bottom — and the applicant is above, but the permit that you put in your pocket doesn't have that name. If that's the case, then why isn't this case just like the Buckley case where this court said the badge doesn't have to have the name on it, but we recognize that the Colorado law also says that with every set of petitions, the circulator has to have an affidavit, and that affidavit is filed with the petition. So there is an official record of the name and the address of the circulator. Why isn't this just the same thing? It's different for two reasons, Justice Ginsburg. First, Buckley dealt with the mechanics of the electoral process, and clearly that's a compelling governmental interest to ensure there's no corruption in that process. The circulator in Buckley wanted to make herself part of that process. The rules of that game are that you submit your name when you submit the affidavits. We have something different here indeed. We have just pure speech unrelated to the mechanics of the electoral process. And interesting, interesting. I thought you Buckley, were saying it only applied to, to, to those who were engaged in the political. I thought that was the, the, the point of your overbreadth objection. I think there's a distinction, Justice Souter, to just pure speech, the dissemination of information and ideas, and speech that in some way involves the mechanics of the electoral process. You're going to do something with the information that you obtain from that householder and then submit yourself to an area, an arena, that the government has a right to have some play in. We don't submit that the government does have a right is in one-on-one uh, intimate conversation about religion or politics to have a play there. But and one of your examples was the door-to-door solicitation of signatures for an, an initiative to put on the ballot. And that's exactly what was involved in the Buckley case. Yes, Justice Ginsburg, but that disclosure took place after the one-on-one dissemination of information was done. 
If that, in, if that individual did not want to submit those affidavits, she could have maintained her anonymity. The question is, when can the government couldn't compel have, you? could not have been a circulator then, because the condition of being a circulator, she could not have submitted her petitions, because to submit the petitions, she has to have this affidavit. And I don't see, I really can't see any difference in consequence whether the official form is made before or made after. The, the point is that the name and address is in an official record. Because of the compelling government to, governmental interest that's involved, Justice Ginsburg, and that's the distinction. When we have one-on-one — That doesn't handle your example. I mean, why, why don't you just say it was a bad example? You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have used the example. Is, is it not worth you, you, you shouldn't have used the example yes. of a petition circulator. You are concerned about people who just want to come up and say, I want to talk to you about why you should vote for Smith. That's uh, correct. Uh, if that's the, is that the case? That, it is indeed. The is case. it? But, thank you. Is is it the the case that your clients don't ask for any money, not a penny, and they don't sell Bibles and they're not selling anything? The, all all that they do is say, "I want to talk to you about religion." They don't ask for anything. Your Honor, the record is absolutely clear. In the village of Stratton, Jehovah's Witnesses did not ask for money. In other jurisdictions, the record is equally clear that sometimes they will mention the voluntary donation arrangement. However, to make our interests absolutely clear what we're involved with in Stratton, we did not mention the voluntary donation arrangement. We are not seeking the solicitation of funds. We're merely seeking to talk to people about the Bible. Now, Justice Ginsburg mentioned — Don't you hand out the watchtower, too? We do, Your Honor, on a no-cost basis. If someone's interested in reading it, we would hand So what about what you said, just briefly mentioned it, because I, you know, I've had many fine conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses. It's fine. But I've never noticed any of them objecting to anything about giving their name. I mean, is this, is this a, a real uh, issue here that for some reason this particular group objects to giving their name? What's, what's the situation? No, Your Honor. Jehovah's Witnesses have no objection to giving their name. The objection to giving the name comes in the realm of anonymous political discourse. Jehovah's Witnesses have felt that this ordinance, which is designed to regulate business transactions, need not have reached pure religious speech need not have reached pure political speech. But you would say that without reference to the name. Uh, isn't your position that you don't have to go to the mayor and ask for permission to talk to a neighbor about something that's interesting? That's correct, Your Honor. That's quite correct. That is that is that here in front of us? I mean, what I'm having a hard time getting my hands on is it looks as if a group of people who really don't mind giving their name are objecting in the name of a different group of people uh, who might mind. And those might be people who want to say vote for Smith. And what's worrying me about deciding this case in the context, which is obvious from the briefs, is that might have considerable legal implications uh, for the question of whether you can require disclosure of campaign contributions, which is a totally different issue, but would seem legally related. So I'd, I'd appreciate those three things that I've mentioned. or You, you see what, I'm, what, what the blur is in my mind, and I'd appreciate your views on that. Justice Breyer, it has been our contention that the ordinance was drafted in an overbroad manner, meaning reaching speech that was not the source of harm, including our religious speech, but also including pure political speech. When we put forth the interest of those interested in anonymous political discourse, that was under this Court's overbreath doctrine. And we don't believe that the Court has to wait until that violation takes place to remove this potential weapon, sensorial weapon, from the hands of the village. Of course, to do that, we would just say uh, you can't require the name to be disclosed. You can still re- require you to check in with the mayor before you uh, before you go door to door. Your Honor, we then uh, 
don't see have how your photograph taken, maybe, you know. Don't have to give a name, but we'll have your photograph on file just in case. That's okay then, right? No, That's Justice what you want Scalia. us to do. No, not at all. We don't believe. You think so. We don't believe that this Court should sanction a regulation of a government that requires one citizen to get a license to speak to another citizen at that citizen's home. Okay, but the basics, I understand the nub of your argument is, is goes back to your answer to Justice Ginsburg, and that is in, in distinguishing Buckley. And I think what you were saying was, in Buckley, the government had an interest because it had an interest in checking the veracity of the, uh, of, of the, 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 uh, the, the endorsement solicitation, the petition solicitation process. Are these real people? Go to the person who asked and check. Whereas here, if we're not talking about the solicitation of money and of signatures in, in a political sphere, there's nothing for the government to verify. And therefore, there is no interest here, whereas there was an interest in Buckley, and that's the distinction. Is, is, am I stating your argument correctly? Precisely, Justice okay. Souter. The brief didn't mention — you, you took Buckley as being 100 percent in your favor, and that — what surprised me is that Buckley made the very distinction that you say is inappropriate here. That is, face-to-face encounter, you don't have to have your name, but back in an official's office — you do. Your Honor, I, I think that Buckley followed on language in uh, Your Honor's uh, portion of the opinion in McIntyre, where you spoke to limited circumstances. There might be larger circumstances where identification might be required. And in the electoral process, the mechanics of how an election works, those are larger purposes. We don't think those larger purposes are present in one-on-one conversation. Do you have any case uh, — most of the Jehovah Witnesses cases dealt with that official who was exercising discretion to keep out the witnesses but letting in the Republicans, and that, that was that line of cases. And then we have the, what I call the Village Green line of cases. Uh, McIntyre could be, fit in that category. But is there any precedent for saying that if you want to go into private homes, in this town, we want to know who you are. And but anybody, we, we, that applies to anybody, and we will give the permit to anybody. Justice Ginsburg, the only precedent that I'm aware of with respect to identification schemes comes from the dicta in Cantwell and Martin that speaks about a municipality, uh, municipality's interest in knowing strangers in the community when connected with the solicitation of funds. I don't believe there's don't any — Don't you think that the practice around the country of various towns and cities is to require permits for people to go door-to-door in uh, residential areas? I think I even live in a community that probably does that. The concern um, — may stem from a concern about preventing burglaries and unfortunate incidents in the area. And they want to identify the people who are going door to door. Justice O'Connor, my experience is quite to the opposite, that after the battles between Jehovah's Witnesses and municipalities in the 30s and 40s, municipalities have stopped attempting to regulate Jehovah's Witnesses by forcing them to get a permit to go from door to door. Uh, this is a experience that we're having in the past few years, 
that more and more municipalities are now requiring not only a permit, but as Justice Scalia touched on, fingerprinting, well, photographs. Let's, let's there, there was a story in the, in the paper just last week here about the, the double murder up at Dartmouth, how the kids who did it uh, went from house to house mm-hmm. purporting to be taking a survey, and then what they were actually doing was casing the houses for robbery. Mm-hmm. So th- that's certainly something that a municipality can take into consideration, isn't it? Chief Justice Rehnquist, we think it's implausible to think that someone intent on committing a violent crime would stop at the city hall to get a permit or in any way be deterred. And in the circumstance Your Honor posits of someone just going door to door and observing or taking notes, uh, the ordinance in this instance doesn't prevent that. The only time the ordinance comes into no, play is if but you it, speak. But it, it does give a, give a record of who it was, which mo- would probably deter someone. If, well, I think you're wrong when if you just said only if they speak. The, the, the mayor requires anybody who rings door to door. That's what was my understanding of this ordinance. Anybody who rings door to door has to sign up in the mayor's office. No, uh, Chief Justice, uh, no, Justice Ginsburg, I believe it's anyone who wants to go door to door to discuss a cause. And that's the uh, language of the ordinance. It's now, the now suppose, suppose well, it's broader that, than that. You could, it would apply if you were leaving a leaflet saying, I repair roofs or I do painting and I'm just going to leave it at the door. It obviously covers all of that without saying a thing. Which is a speech interest, Justice O'Connor. That but, is but a speech interest. suppose I am concerned that the, that the mayor, in my view, or the, the, the government, uh, has no right uh, to demand uh, previous registration or to give its consent before I uh, go to my neighbors to talk about neighborhood problems or whatever. What case do I put down when I write the opinion to that effect? Excuse me, Justice Kennedy, if I might have that again. What's your best case or best, what are your best cases for the proposition that it is simply unconstitutional for the government to require a permit before you go door to door to talk about a cause? What are your best cases? Martin, predicated on Lovell, predicated on Schneider. There are interests that the government may have to interpose themselves into that process, Your Honor, but there has to be some sort of real substantial basis. We think the equity lies with those. Most of those cases, uh, I I think they're the closest, too, but they're not right on point because they were concerned with the discretion Justice Kennedy, the official had. There is discretion in this instance. If we look at the ordinance. And also, may I say, there's language in those cases that suggests that it it would be, you read it yourself, this stranger has to identify himself or herself. That that runs in those cases as well. But those were all cases where the danger was the official who was going to pick and choose, who was and there was wide-open discretion. If, if, I, if I might, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Kennedy, when we look at the ordinance on Appendix 4A, and it's uh, Section 116.03, B6, it says that the mayor can ask for such other information. Or 4A of the petition. Of, I'm sorry, it's our brief for petitioners, Chief Justice Rehnquist. Page 4A. Section uh, B6, such other information concerning the registrant and its business or purpose as may be reasonably necessary to accurately describe the nature of the privilege desired. Now, in this instance... But the, that has been taken out of the case. No, no. Uh, I just, thought that the, the only thing that the mayor asks 
Isn't, wasn't there something in the district court opinion that cut that back? No, Your Honor. That is still very much in the case and very much part of the case. The only thing the district court cut out was the reference to Jehovah's Witnesses in the administrative paperwork. The court also said that it was an onerous requirement to make individuals list all the addresses one wanted to visit and said the village could cure that. I thought the village made a concession. It says all we're going to ask is the name. Didn't the the village make that concession? No, Your Honor, not not at all. This provision I'll ask the village if they did, because I remember something that said we're going to ask only for the name and the address. No, it's Even if that's so, I mean, where I slight state of confusion is I thought this case now sounds very theoretical. I thought it would have to do with requiring your name on a permit. Now I get into it and I discover we don't know if they require the name on a permit. Then I thought, well, it had to do with requiring the name when you go to the city hall. And now I see there's a problem here because your group doesn't mind, but you're trying to talk for somebody else. Then I thought, well, maybe it requires a, a matter of discretion at the city hall, but then I get a record which is forcing me to decide this on the assumption all you do is go to city hall, and they give it to you automatically. Then I thought it had to do with fraud, but there's no money. So now I think it has to do with uh, uh, somebody who goes there and uh, asks for a permit, which he gets automatically. And what's the objection to that? You don't want to do it. And what's to be said on the other side? Not much. But uh, I guess they say, they'll say, well, uh, here, at least he'll read the rules. At least they'll see uh, that uh, uh, there are some people who don't want any solicitation, and we can be sure that that will happen. So it looks like there's something on the one side, and I don't know how much on the other. Mr. I'm I'm confused here. I I had thought that you object to this even if the name doesn't have to be disclosed, and even if there is not excessive discretion given with the mayor. Exactly. It's not your objection that you do not want to have to go to City Hall in order to ring doorbells. Right. Precisely, Justice No matter what. Precisely. They want you there because they know at least you'll find out which homeowners don't want people around. And you'll l- read what the rules are, all right? Is that good enough? Justice Breyer, we have not contested that provision of the ordinance. Section 11607, which allows a homeowner to post a no solicitation sign and then go to the village and say, I want this group and not this group, has not been contested. But your position is, of course, the governments always want to know what its people are thinking, uh, but they don't have any right to find out. Well, that's, uh, that's a, an expression of the residents' interest in who they want. It's not the government making the decision for them. Now, with respect to the — I'm talking about your clients. Your Honor, we — Take it. Take it. It's good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an appropriate point, Chief Justice Rehnquist, to ask if I may reserve the balance of my time. Very well, Mr. Polidor. Thank you. Mr. Cantor, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, Stratton is exercising its police power when it seeks to protect the privacy of its residents, when it seeks to deter crime. The no canvassing or soliciting on private property ordinance simply requires pre-registration and the carrying of a permit during the course of the door-to-door activity. Do you know any other other case of ours that has even involved an ordinance of this breadth that involves solicitation, not asking for money, not selling goods, but even, you know, I want to talk about Jesus Christ or I want to talk about 
about protecting the environment? Is there have we had a case like that? I mean, there is the mere fact that, that I'm unfamiliar with something like that. Maybe they've become current now, but the mere fact that I don't even know of such cases over two centuries makes me You're makes me wonder. <laughs> Do you know of any? Your Honor, there is no holding by this Court that identifies this. Never mind a holding, a case, a case in, 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 in this Court involved. Uh, the, the breadth of this thing is, is, is novel to me. There is no case that identifies the breadth of this case, but perhaps that might be part of the beauty, beauty in the sense that it is, it is content neutral and that it's. You, you, you think it's, it's, it's a beautiful idea that I have to ask the government for permission before I go down the block where I don't know all of the people. I wave to them, but I don't really know them. I say, I want to talk to you because I'm concerned about the garbage pickup, because I'm concerned about our congressman, whatever. I have to ask the government before I can do that? No, Your Astounding. No, Your Honor. What we are talking about are canvassers, hawkers, and those who are going door-to-door for a cause. Well, how about trick-or-treaters? Do they have to go get a permit? (laughs) Interesting. Under this ordinance, it looks like it, doesn't it? Your Honor, and they're soliciting too. They are. <laughs> does it cover them? I'm serious. The answer is no. And Why rec- not? Literally, the, it does. The track record, the track. Uh, you may me. not enforce it, but it literally covers them, doesn't it? That hypothetical was raised by the trial court judge, Your Honor, mm-hmm. and it was answered by Mr. Brzee's to, to the negative. And the reason why it was answered to the negative is that these people are not who are going door to door are not seeking. Uh, to communicate, they are, they are begging candy, and therefore as Girl Scouts on it. Yes, or, Girl Scouts, or Girl Christmas Scouts carolers. Sale, sale would would constitute a conduct that would require. How about borrowing a cup really of sugar from your neighbor? Do I have to get a permit to go borrow a cup of sugar from my neighbor? No, Your Honor, I don't believe it. Well, this this, this is really before, this is really a novel argument. You're saying this this thing is okay. This ordinance is okay because it addresses only communication. Anything else is okay. The it's only communication that we're concerned about. The limiting language, Your Honor, deals with canvassing and hawking uh, of, the, of the area. Okay, go back to Justice Kennedy's example that started all of this. The, the neighbor wants to go up and down the street because he doesn't think the garbage collection is very good. That's a cause. He's got to register, right? No, Your Honor. Why? Because it is not the type of cause that that the communication is directed at. Well, who knows? I mean, where's the restrictive definition of cause? Within the uh, beginning of the ordinance. And and what's the language that you rely on? No canvassers. Uh, You're on on page what? I'm looking at section 116.03. It is in the respondent's brief, page 3A. 3A, okay. Also petitioner's page 3A. Okay, now John, tell me where you're reading from, and let's go. No canvasser, solicitor, peddler, hawker, itinerant merchant, or transient vendor of merchandise or services who is described in 116.01 of this chapter and who intends to go in or upon private property or a private resident in the village for any of the purposes described in .01 
shall go in or upon such private property or residence without first registering. Okay. Well, in point zero one, where does it? Where does where does the definition exclude people with a cause like Justice Kennedy's uh, neighbor who wants the garbage picked up? Yeah, I mean, unless you're interpreting canvasser very literally, in which case it wouldn't include uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Why are Jehovah's Witnesses covered? Are, are they canvassers, solicitors, peddlers, hawkers, itinerant merchants, or transient vendors of merchandise or services? The district. There are none of those, are they? The district court determined that they were canvassers. That they were canvassers. So you, you have a very broad definition of canvassers. If it includes Jehovah's Witness, I would have thought a canvasser is just somebody who says, I'm doing a survey, I'm canvassing public opinion or something like that. But if, it's, if it includes Jehovah's Witnesses, it certainly includes the, the, the you know, the, the, the garbage uh, uh, canvasser. So the dictionary says canvasser is a person who's looking for a vote. Doesn't include them at all, at least the dictionary definition wouldn't. But you've, you, it's a conceded that the, the city does. What's the purpose? That is, what, what, what per, your, your brief is all about fraud, but fraud seemed to have to do with money, and the ordinance seems to have to do with money. Uh, I haven't read anything in your brief that says what the purpose is for requiring these people who are not interested in money, not interested in selling, not even interested in votes, to go to the city hall and register. What's the city's purpose? The city's purpose is to prevent annoyance the city of the property owner. Uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist um, mentioned that there was a no trespassing provision within the ordinance. There is also a no solicitation. Uh, there is no no trespassing portion in the ordinance. There is a no solicitation portion in the ordinance. That portion allows a registered who, who lives within the community and who has private property to register with the community and indicate they do not want to be solicited. They do not want to be canvassed. That's not challenged, as I understand. That is correct, Your Honor. That is not challenged. All right. So given that, that is, what's that is the, the purpose, purpose of the registration? The purpose is to prevent — the purpose of the registration is — the initial registration mm. is to identify who in the community is going door to door. Because? Because of two factors, the privacy of the uh, person who lives within — how, how does it work? Spell it out. I mean, how, how, how does it work? I mean, how — what's the connection between the purpose — and the result, which is you have to come to the mayor and get a permit. I, it's not obvious to me. Maybe I'm being dim, but I don't see it. I see it with, with asking for money. You want to know who's asking for money, so if they lie, you find out later. But where they're just interested in a cause, spell it out, if you can, please, for me. In Martin versus Struthers, Your Honor, at footnote 5, this Court relied upon the utilization of a book as well as an FBI bulletin to determine that those who go door to door may be doing so as a guise. The Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals identified that you cannot determine who is going door to door with regard to their criminal, the criminality aspect of it. And therefore, uh, it would not suffice to simply say that just because you are having uh, a concern over money or sales, that that's enough. You can go door to door for a purpose, uh, such as spreading the news giving other additional information. That could be the outward, the outward uh, point of view. But in reality, it could be something very different. It could be. And I suppose you could say everybody who gets up on a soap, soapbox may, uh, may provoke a riot. But, uh, you know, this seems to me one of the normal uh, risks of life that doesn't let the government go around 
making it a privilege to go read. I, I love the last provision of the ordinance. What is it? Uh, of 116.03b6 says uh, that the American demands such other information concerning the registrant and its business or purpose as may be reasonably necessary to accurately describe the nature of the privilege desired, the privilege of going about to uh, persuade your fellow citizens about uh, one thing or another. I, I, I just can't understand that. That was the provision that I thought was out of it because of a concession that the city made. If I'm wrong, Your Honor, that provision remains. That provision is a catch-all to determine or make sure that the identifying information is present. The identification of the individual as well as the Wasn't there some point when the mayor said, all I'm going to ask is the name and the address? The first five sections of that uh, subsection give the information. That information is consistent with this Court's suggestion in Martin v. Struthers at footnote 14 as well as Cantwell. The purpose has also been discussed in the context, Your Honor, of how will it benefit the community. There was testimony at the time of trial from Helen McMurray, Chief of the Public — Chief of the Consumer Affairs Section of the Ohio Attorney General's Office. And she determined that legislation of this type is helpful because it deters individuals who have an improper motive from signing up and going door to door. Well, footnote 14 of Martin has to do with solicitation of funds. That's correct, Your Honor. The ordinance is much broader than that. That's correct, Your Honor. It is indistinguishable to determine who is going door to door. The uh, Justice O'Connor had indicated a situation where people were claiming they were going door to door prior to the commission of a murder. Uh, They were going for a a reason that was — No, no. Footnote 14. Of Martin versus Struthers, which yes, you cited, uh, when we were talking about whether or not you can just at least give your name, uh, said this is necessary for those who solicit funds. But your ordinance goes much, uh, sweeps much more widely than the solicitation of funds. So footnote 14 doesn't support the ordinance that are, is now before us. I'm going to suggest to you, Your Honor, that it does. And the reason that it does is because it, it requires identification information. And that identification information is necessary regardless of whether someone is going to solicit funds or whether or not he is going to go, going to go door-to-door for some other purpose. Well, what it's about using the telephone? I, you know, I'm, uh, the, uh, that's, that's a common, uh, common ploy of people who want to commit a crime. You know, uh, my car broke down. Can I use the telephone? Is there a risk of that? Of course. Of course there's a risk. So should you require everybody who rings a doorbell to get fingerprinted at City Hall before you can ring a doorbell? No, that, 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 that minor risk of a, of a crime occurring is enough to, re, to require everybody who wants to ring a doorbell to register at City Hall? Of course it isn't. The determination of the nature and the amount of risk is uh, perhaps highlighted by McMurray's testimony. She found that legislation of this nature had previously been suggested in communities where disasters had occurred. It was her opinion that, as a result of this type of legislation, that potential fraudulent transactors decided to uh, not register within the community and and were to bypass it. In addition, it was an aid to law enforcement in the event that there was, in fact, some type of criminality. And finally, it was an aid to the elderly, and it was an aid to the elderly because it gave them a bright line to determine whether or not the individual before them was one that was properly registered. In other words, it, it heightened the awareness 
of the of the propriety of the individual at the door. Both uh, the district court as well as the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals determined that this was content-neutral legislation. On that, it uh, it applied to the parties in this case. Well, McIntyre suggests that an anonymity requirement makes it content-based. What are we to do about that? Your Honor, the issue, the issue in uh, at the registration aspect deals with uh, that we are not at the point of persuasion. McIntyre was uh, a automatic uh, inclusion of information when the reader took the document and was attempted to be persuaded. The pre-registration format is probably closer to Buckley, where that is the, uh, the other end of the bookend. But this is not at the point of persuasion. Buckley is after the uh, persuasion occurs. So we would suggest to you that uh, it is appropriate to register in advance of going door to door to prove the uh, purpose of the, of the ordinance. Well, the disclosure means that it certainly is not anonymous. How do we resolve the dispute on what the uh, permit has to contain, whether it contains the name or not? Your Honor, I would suggest that you would resolve it based on the record. The record identifies uh, the permit. The record identifies an identification of that permit, which is the testimony of the village's mayor. And it is found at page 386 of the Joint Appendix. That is the only information concerning the identification of the permit. Well, we're not supposed to be resolve these factual questions in the first instance. You can't tell from that form whether it has an applicant's name or a number or nothing. Your Honor, this case was tried on the registration requirement. This, uh, we would suggest to you, was a belated attempt uh, on the issue of the content of the permit bring it before the court. You mean, you, you mean it, it originally was that they just didn't want to register an anonymous or not? No, Your Honor. The attack was always on the registration issue. The attack was always uh, to determine whether or not they were included within right. the phraseology right. of the, uh, the language. Well, the question we took refers to display upon demand. The permit. We, we have not limited the case to the display. There is a display of the permit required on demand. One of the uh, things in this record that you, you did delete, at one time you gave the homeowners a choice specifically of Jehovah Witnesses in or out, right? Yes, Your Honor. And, and that, now you deleted that. But could the, could the village say to the homeowner, it's your choice, you tell us who you want and you don't want, and we'll enforce that. So if you don't want the Jehovah Witnesses, you don't have to have them. If you don't want the Democrats, you don't have to have them. Would that be permissible for the village to do to facilitate the homeowner's choice? The village would be acting as a bulletin board. It would be the homeowner, the private resident, who would be making the determination as to who would be making the content. So in that type of a context — And the village could enforce that private discrimination? Your Honor, there is no requirement that anyone decide that anyone allows someone else to come into their home, whether for a good or, or bad purpose. Uh, the individual has the right to exclude even valid ideas from their home place. It is a privacy issue here that we are Does suggesting. Does the state, when the state assists that private choice, I mean, we're, not, we're talking about limitations on the state, not on the homeowner. Well, we are only assisting that the prior cases that this Court has considered deals with the 
government being some type of a censor or limiter of the speech that is going. Stratton doesn't do that. Instead, it says everyone's going to come to your door unless you register to indicate no solicitation. At that point in time, uh, the identification of who can come to the door is identified by the resident of that dwelling. That information is provided to the, the person who is going door to door not to go to this particular place if you fall within the framework. If Suppose you, the homeowner said uh, only Caucasian solicitors. Well, I believe that that would be invalid on its face. The, uh, that would not be different from something in a, in a title in a title search situation where there would be something, a remnant from the 40s. Well, how is that any different from no Jehovah Witnesses? Because the uh, issue there is that this is a speech that is not, that they do not wish to, uh, to accept. That's very nice. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, we have general, general trespass laws, and I suppose that if uh, somebody doesn't want a Jehovah's Witness to trespass and is perfectly willing to let everybody else trespass, I guess, uh, I guess the state might enforce that. I don't know. Well, the, the issue here, Your Honor, is dealing with whether or not this is a consensual intrusion. If it's with consent, then there is no trespass. With regard to no solicitation, it should be reminded that the record below would indicate that the Jehovah Witnesses do not uh, consider themselves as solicitors and therefore would not abide by a no solicitation sign, and that uh, they, however, would abide by a no trespassing sign. I, I take it there are many gated so-called private communities where the solicitor can never go in at all. I, I don't know. Maybe that's — in I, the village. I assume that's the way they work. I'm not sure. In the village and of In a sense, I guess you're — just trying to give your residents uh, the protection that people have when they live in uh, closed enclaves. That would be appropriate to, to compare. Although I don't, I, I haven't seen any cases about those closed enclaves. Would be like Marsh versus Alabama, perhaps. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cantor. We'll hear from you, Mr. Gormley. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The ordinance in this case differs from the statute in McIntyre in two critical ways. First, it applies only when someone goes on to the private property of a village resident. Of course, in McIntyre, that Ohio statute required Mrs. McIntyre to put her name on a piece of paper wherever she wanted to distribute it, on a public sidewalk, even in her own home, outside a polling place, anywhere. This ordinance is much more narrow. It only applies when the speaker wants to go on to someone else's private property. Not necessarily. I mean, you're envisioning little, little cottages with a pathway up to the door. Uh, don't you have anybody who's, who's in an apartment building where, where the Jehovah's Witness knocks on the door? He's not on that person's private property. He just knocks on the door. But, Your Honor, the ordinance Or maybe another house that they don't have a setback restriction, the door is right, you know, right on the public, public sidewalks, knocks on the door. But the point is, Your Honor, the ordinance is designed to protect the concerns that village residents have, no matter how much space is between them and That's a different and a, point. But, I mean, I, I don't think you can say that the difference is that this involves only speech that occurs on private property, not necessarily. Nonetheless, Your Honor, the, the point would be that when someone knocks on a door, no matter how far away they are from a sidewalk or street, there is concern 
uh, on the part of the resident that this, often a stranger, certainly an uninvited person, is here on my property, perhaps just a few inches away from, from a public way, but nonetheless coming to my home, perhaps asking to actually enter my home, and I think the village is entitled to say we're concerned about that kind of activity. You're, you're concerned about people who are even not concerned about it. I mean, that's the problem. Those people that are concerned can put up a sign that says no solicitors. But the village is saying even those people who welcome Jehovah's Witnesses, they're sitting there lonely. They would love to talk to somebody about anything. <laughs> and these people still have to go uh, register with the mayor to get the privilege of ringing their doorbell. But, Your Honor, that's no different than the Frisbee case decided by this Court 14 years ago. It may well be that uh, some people are not concerned about picketing outside a home. Nonetheless, the Court upheld an ordinance there that uh, uh, was content neutral and so described by the Court and said a village, a city, was entitled to enforce it. The same is uh, well, we have true. Always, we have always said that, that picketing is an activity which, which is focused it's constant. Uh, it repeats a message over a long period of time. And that's, that's simply different from a, a single encounter, which is what you prevent. Nonetheless, I think in both situations, Your Honor, the government is rightly concerned about an activity that causes some public problem. In the one case, certainly annoyance of a continuous nature. In the other, natural fear on the part of people when some uninvited person shows up on their property. And but that is met, as has already been pointed out, by the opportunity to put up a no trespassing, no solicitor sign. Why does that ordinance have to do more? Sure. Well, uh, certainly no trespassing signs address some of the problem, mm -hmm. but those often uh, provide after-the-fact remedies if someone actually invades the space, you can prosecute, but by then you may well not be able to find the person anymore. And even with the, uh, the no solicitation registration form that the petitioners have not challenged, uh, that does not protect the person who, for whatever reason, chooses not to put up such a sign. Perhaps people want to uh, be visited by uh, solicitors once they've registered, and in fact it may well encourage some people who would otherwise put up a no solicitation sign on their property to take that down because they now have confidence in this village that these people are registered. There will be some way to track them down if something goes wrong. Well, there's, there's what standard of review should we apply, do you suppose, in looking at this ordinance? Well, I think that uh, both of the courts below apply the proper approach. It's a content-neutral time, place, and manner regulation. The mayor has no discretion in terms of uh, uh, issuing the permit. Well, that would be intermediate scrutiny? That's what the Court of Appeals called and it. Under that uh, standard, uh, aren't you re isn't the government required to show that it uh, restricts no more speech than is reasonably necessary to accomplish its interest? That's Take right. It, that's the standard. Yes, Your Honor. And I think that's true here, because every time that someone approaches the private property, comes onto the private property of a village resident, those residents are rightly concerned about who this uninvited person is well, and what are they going to do. I all those purposes if you just print up some signs that people can put up if they want saying uh, no, no uh, canvassers without a permit. And when it wants to get all that assurance can get it. People who don't, don't have to. But I think the village rightly is concerned with having some information. And, and, and given, say, the imaginary signs, 
What is the purpose? What is the purpose to require them just to come down to the mayor? Because it, it gives uh, some record uh, on file about who these people are, thereby giving village residents a little greater sense of security that if something goes wrong when this person is on my land, I'm not going to be you know, left without any. If the person turns out to be a con man, too, it would enable a better chance of locating him to make. Uh, Absolutely. In the worst case scenario, the, the purposes are, are certainly clear. I Can think. you give me an example of a con man who doesn't want any money or anything else? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, just coming into into your not, house, not, maybe maybe he wants to steal your property. I don't know if that's necessarily taking money, but mm-hmm. he might want to come in and and uh, potential thief, a, a person sure. around. potential thief who is willing to uh, to rape and and uh, burgle, but uh, is uh, but stops short of failing to register at city hall, right? Uh, it, Honor, this gives your citizens great confidence that. Uh, <laughs> But, Your Honor, I think the fact that the ordinance is not going to catch everyone who's going to do something wrong doesn't mean that the village is not entitled to try to do something to give its residents some comfort. You probably passed people this morning on the highway who don't have a license to drive. It doesn't mean the government The question is how much, how necessary is it? We, we can all stipulate that the safest societies in the world are totalitarian dictatorships. There's very little crime. It's a, it's a, it's a common phenomenon. And one of, one, of the, one of the costs of liberty is, is uh, to some extent, a higher risk of, of unlawful activity. And the question is whether what this is directed out stops enough unlawful activity to be worth the cost of, of requiring the privilege of ringing somebody's doorbell. I think it does, Your Honor, and it's, it's a very modest restriction. Remember, there's nothing that the, the mayor can do to prevent someone from getting the permit. It's, it's essentially a declaration that I intend to go door-to-door in your community, and whether the mayor wants to give it out or not, he's going to do it. That seems to me much it, different than It's so calendar. modest that we can't find a single case reporting a single uh, uh, municipality that has ever enacted an ordinance of that type. I don't think that's modest. Well, uh, but I think, Your Honor, it's a, it shows that this village is perhaps trying to, to take some proactive steps that other communities have not. Do we know where the village got it from? I, I don't think it was original with this village, was it? I, I'm not sure. In uh, Richard Ruda's amicus brief, he refers to similar ordinances in Plano, Texas, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and Grand Rapids Township, Michigan. I believe that the village solicitor, and a title, but the village's attorney, uh, came up with the the draft of this ordinance on his own. There had been, as I understand it, similar ordinances in this village dating back into the 40s. My guess is they probably had the same defects that that Cantwell and other ordinances had. The, the, the mayor here said, I, his testimony, it's on 385A of the opinion, I have never... I, I never have denied anybody a permit. Nobody has ever asked for one. <laughs> I, I think it's extraordinary. No, I, I think he was speaking about the Jehovah's Witnesses, Your Honor. At the time of the uh, of the hearing in the district court, six people had uh, requested uh, permits and received them. Those are, begin on page 230 of the Joint Appendix. I believe now 15 people have uh, received permits. Could the city say? To facilitate the homeowner's choice, we're going to say nobody rings bells for anything, but the homeowner 
make the homeowner the one to come to sign up in City Hall to say, I don't mind having solicitors? Certainly that's the part of the ordinance that the uh, petitioners have not challenged here. Homeowners can both post and solicitors. I suppose in in order to meet the objection that the solicitors don't want to sign up or the canvassers don't want to sign up, the city says, well, it would just have a total ban on ringing doorbells, but any homeowner who wants to have it can. Uh, I mean, given your the, the court's decision in Martin, I would be hesitant to say you can have an outright ban on ringing uh, doorbells or knocking. Thank but you, Mr. Gormley. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Polidoro, you have four minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. If I may make a few points, please. Justice O'Connor asked a question as to whether this would apply to trick-or-treaters. I open to the uh, Joint Appendix, page 199, which is one of the no solicitation registration forms, Your Honor. Indeed, uh, trick-or-treaters are, and specifically, point 13, trick-or-treaters during Halloween season are mentioned. So they are encompassed under the ordinance. Two, I've heard a, a point being made about the ordinance being a way to help track down the bad guys. There's no uh, independent verification mechanism in this ordinance at all. I can go to the uh, village hall and say I'm Abraham Cantor and get a permit and go from door to door. Mr. Brzezzi at page, uh, transcript page 174, Ms. McMurray, uh, page 478A, both recognized the ordinance has no verification mechanism to tie into the person who's asking for the permit. With respect to discretion, uh, Mayor Abdullah testified that, and this is in the transcript, pages 124 and 126, that if someone came, gave their name, address, cause, and said they were unaffiliated with an organization, he would likely not issue a permit to them. We believe that this is manifestly exercise of discretion. And lastly, Your Honors, um, I've heard uh, our door-to-door activity be referred to as an annoyance to be compared to obnoxious picketing at the home. I respectfully suggest that our activity indeed lies at the heart of the First Amendment. May I ask if you're through? I don't want to take up your subtle time. As I looked at page 199, I thought that was a list of exceptions to the to the ordinance. It is, and what so that in other words, the, the trick or treaters are expressly accepted, just like Christmas carolers and the others. Listed. Well, what had happened there, uh, Justice Stevens? They would be accepted if the box was checked and they were allowed. And in that particular form, no one was allowed at the door. You mean the the person applying for the ordinance has to check all these things to be? I don't quite understand this. This is no, the what, homeowner who allows certain solicitation. This is the homeowner's form. That's the homeowner's form. Thank you, Mr. Paladero. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.